the, uh, the very first sermon, very first sermon preached after Jesus you know, rose from the grave, you know, went to be with God. You know, the first, like this is, it's kind of a big deal. You would think like the first sermon is kind of a big deal. You know how Peter starts it? These men are not drunk, as you suppose. That was the first sermon. Like, I, I never had any of my teachers at Bible college say, hey, when you're starting a sermon out, just make sure everybody knows nobody's <laughs> drunk. Like, that's so wild that that's how that would start. That, you know, it just, it's, it, to me, it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, when God's up to something, he just doesn't do it the way that we would think. We, he, just doesn't, he, he just doesn't work the way that makes the most sense to us. And scriptures bear that out. You know, it's the foolishness of God that puts to shame the wisdom of uh, of men, First Corinthians talks about. Um, so anyway, Peter's preaching this sermon. The uh, people have been speaking in tongues. There's a crowd that gathers. And people, I think, you know, this is me, I think people are listening to what those guys are saying. They're hearing it in their own language. And they're like, these guys are talking crazy. Uh, and some people are just amazed. They're just like, wow, what they're saying makes sense and it resonates and they're drawn. And other people are like, these guys must be drunk. And so Peter gets up and he says, these people are not drunk as you suppose. And, and this is his rationale for why they're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning, which, which means that Peter has never been to the airport at nine in the morning because the bars are open and people are drinking at the airport. That's not really an argument that would work uh, in today's uh, day and age. Uh, but this is what he says. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he quotes a passage. They all, they all knew. They all knew this day was coming. And this is the passage. In the last days. That's where we are. We're in the last days. In these last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. That's, that's us. I mean, that's, that's everybody here in this room. You know, that's you. It's crazy. It, I will pour out my spirit on you. And, and your, your sons and your daughters, they're going to prophesy. What's that about? I don't know about that, Peter. Your young men, they're going to see visions. Your old men, they're going to dream dreams. Uh, what Steve is referring to is I was uh, giving him a hard time because he told a story a few weeks ago about dreaming a dream and how he had this dream about this guy, a passage of scripture, and, uh, you know, called this guy up. And he's like, I don't know, does this mean anything to you? It was something like Second Timothy something. And the guy was like, no, it doesn't mean anything to me. And for me, that would have been the end of the story. But this guy looks up that reference. And then in the margin of his Bible is something he had written. And it like made him want to stay in ministry. He was thinking about quitting, you know. You're, you're, wow, your old men will dream dreams. And I was like, yes, yeah, Steve's bearing that out. Your old men, that's right. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, when you think about stuff like that, that, that has not happened for me. I, I've had dreams, but I've never woken up and thought, man, I think God was talking to me in my sleep. And, and, and I've never had a cool story like that. And, and sometimes it raises questions about, like, what is... You know, what does that mean? Does the fact that God hasn't done something like that for me, does that mean something? Am I, am I like, does the Spirit not work in that way, which was, is what a lot of people have concluded? The Spirit just doesn't do that because it hasn't happened for me. Is Steve, people like Steve, are they just being kind of gullible and naive? And, you know, or, or is there something 
And this is the right answer. Is there something that we are not tuned into that the Spirit is doing, that He has to open our eyes to be able to see the way He's operating within the world? Because think about this. I, I, in my reading, I read through the book of Acts, and I'm just going to show you some clauses in the book of Acts, which I think is a subject and a predicate, right? Uh, some clauses. They're not stories. They're just, you can read the stories later. But I want you to notice something about what's happening with the interactions between the Spirit and God's people that are tuned into the Spirit. For example, Acts chapter 8, uh, Acts chapter 8 and verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, he said, hey, Philip, go stand near that chariot. How did he tell him? Was, was it like downloaded into Philip's brain? Was it a voice? Was it a message in a bottle? Did Philip sense it and thought, that, that's the Spirit of God? That's what the Spirit of God sounds like? And so I better go, I better go do that? Like, how, what was that interaction like? Did Philip say at first, like I probably would have? Like, if I was convinced it was the Spirit of God, I would have been like, well, first tell me why, and then I'll maybe go do it. I need to know all the details of the situation before I really put myself out there. And the story is, the Spirit told Philip, go stand near that chariot. So what's a weird story? Is, it, is the Spirit do, still doing stuff like that today? Like, am I going to be walking around Woodbury and say, you know, is God going to be like, go stand near that Land Rover? Just, why, God? Is that going to happen? Is that something we can expect? Are these stories something that we read just because they happened? Or are these stories things that we can kind of map on to our own circumstances and our own situations? Uh, in, in the book of Acts chapter 10, just a few chapters later, Peter is, he had lunch, had a nap, had a vision, which is pretty cool, and he's waking up from the vision, and he's thinking about the vision, about how weird that vision was, and while he's doing that, he was still thinking, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. How did that happen? Was it a voice? Was he just laying there? I always imagine he's laying there in a hammock, and what, what is that like? I kind of wondered when I was reading this passage, I wondered, like, is that something that Peter might have thought at first it was someone else, like Andrew around the corner, you know, he saw the three men coming up, and so he's like, Peter, three men are coming to you, and, and Peter's like, oh, that must be God. Like, what, what was that like? Remember the story in the book of uh, Samuel, where Samuel hears his voice, and he goes to Eli and says, what do you want? And Eli's like, I'm not talking to you. Does that three times, and eventually Eli realizes, oh, that's God. Does that kind of stuff still happen? Should we expect that? Was it like the voiceover in a movie? Acts chapter 16, verse 6 is so interesting. Having been kept by the Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. That's, that's all. We don't, we're not told how they were kept by the Spirit, but evidently this group, Paul included, wanted to go into the province of Asia. That's modern Turkey, uh, Turkey, Asia Minor. And they were kept from it. How, how did that happen? Did they miss the bus? to Asia Minor, and they're like, well, that must be God. Did they not have their paperwork in order? I mean, it doesn't tell us. It doesn't give us specifics, which is kind of maddening, actually, when you think about it, because those of us who are like, okay, God, I believe you work today. I believe your power and presence exists in the world today. I want to know exactly how you're leading me. I want to know what you're leading me to. I want to know details. And the Bible just doesn't, Scripture doesn't give us details. Even in these stories, we're not told the itinerary, the exact sound. What does God sound like? What's his voice sound like? How did they keep them from these. I want details. And there's so many questions. 
I was, I was mostly, I don't know if taught necessarily, but it was strongly implied that these stories are descriptive stories of what God was doing at one point in time, but they weren't prescriptive, meaning that we weren't to read these stories and then just assume that the Spirit might still work the same way in our lives. And so when I read the book of Acts, I was like, well, that happened for them, lucky them, but I'm in today's day and age and I, I'll just have to just kind of figure it out on my own. But I'm starting to wonder if maybe the Spirit isn't trying to do the same things, but we have tuned Him out. That we're not listening. That we're not paying attention. That the eyes of our hearts aren't open, but He's still trying to lead us and guide us. But I want details, right? I want an itinerary. I want, I want exactly step by step, paint by numbers. How, how, do, we, how do we navigate this? How, how, how do we walk through that? Um, we my wife and I, well, our family, we have a 12th grader, so that she's planning on going off to college somewhere. Well, there's so many questions about that. There's a, there's a ton of colleges, and they all want your money. They all want your children to go there. We have gotten so much junk mail in the last 12 months from every different college, you know, saying, this is the place for your daughter. So, so we read that, so, well, read that, so we throw it away now. I feel bad. I want to email these folks and say, please stop sending us stuff because our kid's not going there because it's so much garbage right now. It's just producing junk. But how do we know? Like, how do we know which college is the right one? So here's the way I had been operating. I had been operating like, well, (laughs) which one's the one we can afford? Which one's the cheapest one? Which one will give you the best scholarship because we don't want to pay any money? Which one has the program? So thinking through, like, here's, like, how do we figure out, like, a wise decision? But is it possible that God would also be saying, hey, don't worry about all that. That stuff's fine. But here's another way to think about it. There is a place that I maybe have for your daughter to go. Or maybe it's not college at all. Maybe it's something else. I mean, the sky's the limit. How do we navigate real life, day-to-day situations tuned into the Spirit? What does that look like? Is that going to look like the book of Acts? Is that going to just look at it like us looking at a spreadsheet saying, well, this is the most sensible financial option? How does that look? What, 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 what do we do? How do we navigate the ordinary course of life in light of the Spirit? I want to know that, don't you? I want to know that. I want to know what does the Spirit want me to do today? I would love to have stories like in the book of Acts. It'd be so cool. I was thinking this week, I was like working on this sermon, and I'd be like, man, God, you know, if you, could, if you could, could you give me some real great sermon illustrations about how the Spirit spoke to me, and I did this thing, and it all worked out? That would be awesome, God. I would really love that, because it would really go well with my sermon. And, uh, well, you know, maybe, jury's out right now on some of that. I, haven't, I didn't have a dream like Steve did. Maybe I'm not tuned into the Spirit the right way. I didn't, I didn't uh, have an experience that, I, that would just be so compelling to you, you'd, be, you'd, you'd fall at you know, your feet and say, oh, that must be the Spirit. And some of us, we just haven't had those experiences. And so I, I guess a lot of us, and this is me, um, I was talking to somebody about this earlier, but I discover that what happens with me when I say, okay, God, I, w- I want to really navigate my life through your Spirit. I want to navigate every choice. I want to take all these really important choices and just give them to you, and you show me <laughs> what to do, and, you know, God, God says, what, well, you know, okay, great, but uh, I start thinking in my head, I start thinking, like, well, what if I get it wrong? What if I think something's God, and it's not God, and we make a decision, and we get ourselves in a real bind? What if? 
What if, uh, what if uh, we make a, the wrong choice about the wrong school and we send, celebrate, oh, Taya, congratulations on school. Let's all, we're all excited and we send her off to the wrong school and she meets the wrong people and the wrong influences and the wrong career path. And what if everything goes bad because I, I got it wrong? What if, what if, what if, what if? And this voice of fear that, that gives me all these questions, what if, what if, what if? And I, I've discovered that I kind of live in the what if and I don't know if, I think that clouds what the Spirit might be trying to do because I'm I'm always like, well, think of all the things that could go wrong, God. What if, what if? What if a dream is just a dream? What if it's my confirmation bias and not really God's spirit uh, leading me? How do do we navigate this? And this is a fair question. This is a question that I'm exploring. I am not coming to you. I'm not up here on the stage saying, hey, everybody, I got it figured out, and uh, I want to tell you how this works. That's Steve. You should listen to that sermon a few weeks ago. He's been living there. But I'm in the process of exploring, and I want to explore with you how this might work in our day-to-day lives. And I think that we can have some sense of what the Spirit is doing, some confidence in what the Spirit is doing, but not like we often think. Let me, let me give you an example. Um, a, uh, let's see, t- 2019, is, it was Kareen and my 20th anniversary. And for some reason, we think those round numbers, those even numbers are like a big deal, you know, like the 5, 10, 20, 25. Those are the big deal. 21, not a big deal, but 20 is a big deal. So we got on a plane Flew to California, landed in L.A. because the goal was for our 20th anniversary to drive up the Pacific Coast Highway. Um, Karine was talking to somebody about this, and she was like, yeah, Patrick was basically driving by the Spirit because that is terrifying up that road, all these cliffs and, you know, cliffs on one side, cliffs on another side. Um, but it was, a, it, was a, it was a great trip because, well, and this, some, some of this is my personality, and some of you are going to uh, hate, and you're going to feel like, oh, that couldn't have been fun because we didn't plan our itinerary. We landed in L.A. and we thought, let's just go. Let's just go. We weren't like saying, let's go where the Spirit is leading. Let's just go. Let's find a place to stay when it's time to stay somewhere. Let's stop at every, you know, redwood tree we see. Let's, do, let's just do what we want to do. We're not getting anywhere at any certain time. Our only guidance was kind of head north. That's the general guidance. That's all. Just head north. And it was great. It was glorious. We were able to stop in Santa Barbara in the late afternoon, you know, golden hour, the wind blowing off the sea. It's beautiful. And I'm like, no, why doesn't everybody live here? This is awesome. We got to San Francisco at sunset. We were at the Golden Gate Bridge at sunset. And we just sat there with one another and watched the sun setting over the Pacific. It was wonderful. We didn't plan that. We didn't say, we got to get there. It It just happened. I think... It's fair to say that much of what we read in Scripture is like that with the Spirit. Here, go, <laughs> go this direction. Because we can know some of what God is interested in us doing in the world and some of what He's drawing us towards. So, so it's directional. Let me give you a couple of examples. Because Scripture doesn't offer an itinerary. It just says the Spirit prevented them from going into Asia. It says the Spirit was sending three men. Just look out for the three guys. Which three guys? Just any three guys. Uh, it just says go stand near that chariot. There, wasn't, there, wasn't, there weren't details. There weren't an itinerary. But there are things we can expect that are, are uh, consistent with what the Spirit is going to do in the world. It's not paint by numbers. It's not an itinerary. It's, it's the spiritual equivalent of just kind of head north. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I just have to tell you right now, some of you are not going to like this sermon, um, and, and, uh, but I want you to be open to the Spirit. I want you to be open to the Spirit today. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. 
This is Paul writing. He says, I keep asking, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Very flowery language. It's prose is what Paul is writing, and it almost seems a little bit like Paul's just throwing some nice words in there, like just get to the point, but he's writing something in this really thoughtful, genuine, poetic way, but it's, it, it contains the, these deep truths that I want us to note. Some of your translations will say in verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit, and it's small s spirit of wisdom and revelation. Some of your translations say have a small s there, as if he's just saying, I pray that God will grant you like a disposition of wisdom, which, which would be great, but the word is the same word for spirit all through scripture. So I believe it's the big capital S, and some of your translations will reflect that as well, that God grants you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. What's revelation? Well, there's a whole book, right? But what's, what's revelation mean? It means to reveal, right? It's, it's something that has been hidden is now no longer hidden. It just, that's all it means. I pray that God would reveal. Reveal what? Reveal the way the world is. Reveal the way things truly are. Reveal what's really happening. Reveal what's truly behind those things that are distracting you or those things that are worrying you, those questions that you're asking. To reveal truth and wisdom in order to navigate those things better. In order to understand what's the right way to think through what God is revealing. I I was thinking about this uh, as a, a... just kind of an illustration, and I don't know who this refers to in your life, but I, I guarantee you there's somebody in your life that is, is a pain in your life. They're, they're, they're a pain in the neck, right? That's what we could say in a sermon. They're a pain, and, and it's frustrating to have to deal with them. It's frustrating to have to interact with them. They say and do things that, that aggravate you. They're abrasive. They're, they're all the things that you don't want in a coworker. They're, they, they exhibit behaviors that you don't want maybe in a family member. There's, some, there's something about them that is just so hard to love. And you have interacted with them from that posture. You've looked at them, and when they've talked to you, you've made it very clear through your body language and your tone and the short words that you're using that you are not interested in this conversation, that you want them to go away, that you want them to be somewhere else. And they know it. They sense that. There's someone in your life that you've just interacted with in this really kind of like difficult, because they're difficult, in a really difficult way. You're short with them. You don't have the same patience you would have for someone that you truly deeply care about. And that person knows that. They know that. In fact, often that person acts the way that they do. They're abrasive the way that they are. They say the things because they don't feel like they actually deserve to be treated with kindness and grace and patience. And so they act in a way that draws out the response. And they've been treated that way their whole life. And so they do and say things that are abrasive so that when you're, in that, when you're reacting that way, they're like, well, yeah, Exactly, because I said that and they, they responded. And they're in control of the situation. And you know, if, you were, if God were to reveal 
that situation to you, he would show you that actually what would be a wiser way to walk is to show them patience and kindness and graciousness. Rather than trying to get them out of your office or out of your life or off the phone, it would be to invite them more deeply into it. It would be to say, hey, can we go get lunch? Hey, can I talk to you, you know, some more tomorrow? It would be to say, I accept you and I love you because you are seeing the situation as it really is and you are responding with the Spirit, not the way that they've always been treated. When we respond rudely, we confirm that's how they deserve to be treated, and we just dig in and perpetuate that cycle uh, for them. We react because we're seeing an incomplete picture. There is things that are hidden, but the Spirit reveals, and we can respond with wisdom. The Spirit enables us to see life as it really, truly is. The Spirit enables that. A lot of you see life as Fox News wants you to see it. A lot of you see life as MSNBC wants you to see it. A lot of you see life through whatever filter that you've decided to digest the news of the day. Now, am I, do I care what news source you go to? Well, in some cases, yes. But that's not what this is about. This is about the Spirit revealing to you the way life is and granting you the wisdom to react in a way that's appropriate to the situation. That person needs gentleness and patience. That is wisdom. They don't need your rudeness. They don't need your unkindness. Now, is that going to be turn-by-turn directions? No. That means there's someone in your life that needs you to push through those behaviors and respond in a way like Christ would to them. He goes on to say in verse 17, he says, I want the Spirit to give you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. Not necessarily so you may have like the turn-by-turn GPS directions to life, but I want the Spirit to reveal the character of God so that you may know Him better. Um, a, uh, A few years ago, I was visiting my parents. They lived in Vermont at the time. I know Vermont. You've never met anybody that lived in Vermont. Well, my parents did. And I was visiting their church, and I was talking to a gentleman, I think it was after church, and I was giving him context for who I was. Oh, yeah, I'm John and Lynette's son. And uh, this guy said, oh, yeah, me and your dad, we like to do projects at the church building. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like my dad. My dad likes to do projects at the church building. He likes to mow the lawn in the summer. He likes to, it's just who he is. That sounds like my dad. And this guy was talking to me. He was like, yeah, we were working on this project the other day. And I don't know why he said this. I don't really know who he was. My mom told me his name, but I won't tell you because that's gossip. But this guy came up to me later, and he said, uh, he, or not later, we're in the course of the conversation. He's like, yeah, we were working on this project at church, and, you know, it was really hard, and your dad let slip some bad words. And I was like, what? Huh? Bad words. Now, this isn't, I didn't say this to him. I wish I, wish I had, maybe. Maybe I'd been more confident. I wish I had said, no, he didn't. Not because I know exactly what my dad did or didn't do, but because I know who my dad is. And my dad, to my hearing, has never said a bad word. Not because he doesn't ever get frustrated or angry, but because that's just not how those things come out in him. I was telling the first service with my dad in the present uh, that my dad, when he gets really frustrated and angry, you know what he does? He gets more quiet. More quiet. Like, some of you have not exchanged more than, like, three words with him in your life. Now, that's because he's mad at you. That's why. Now you know. 
No, I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm just saying he even, he, he, re, he, he retreats even more. He doesn't say bad words. Now, is saying bad words the worst thing? Well, no, no, that's not the point at all. I'm just saying that did not sound like the character of my dad. If my dad was going to let loose some expletives, he would have done it when I was a teenager. Because everybody who knew me as a teenager wanted to swear when they were around me because I was very aggravating. People could have revealed to see the real situation. They would have responded to patience and gentleness, but not everybody did. So, that's not who my dad is. That's not his character. That's just not who he is. Some of you, you know, you don't even have to know the details of the circumstances of the situation, but you know, like, yeah, my dad wouldn't do that. My dad wouldn't say that. My dad wouldn't think that. My dad wouldn't buy that. My dad wouldn't go there. You just know that, right? It would be shocking. It would be, you know, not that parents can surprise us, but my dad would never do that. So I know that that's not true. To know God is to know his character. To be able to say, you know what, my father would not do that. Oh, hey, I think God wants you to go here, marry this, do this thing, do this other thing. I don't think so because that's not who my God is. To know God is to know his character, which the Spirit reveals. So the Spirit reveals God's character to us in order that we can navigate life better because we can be drawn to the things that do sound like our Father, do sound like the character of our God. For example, we, we serve a God. You have a God that you, and by the way, this is important, you are informed by Scripture. You're informed by Scripture. So you read Scripture, and you're like, okay, I'm beginning to get a picture, a portrait of who God is. But then you experience God's character through the Spirit. It's not like exclusive. I'm not trying to give you a rule, but I'm just trying to give you an example of what what this looks like. So God, throughout his Scripture, reveals himself to be a God that is truly, deeply merciful. He delights in showing mercy. So if you are in a situation where you could be rude and impatient or you could show mercy, you could be like, ah, I think that's what God wants me to do because that sounds like my God. That sounds like my dad. That sounds like who he is. If you're in a situation where God loves to be generous, he loves to express generosity in so many ways when we don't deserve it. So if you're in a situation where someone could use your generosity when they don't deserve it, that sounds like something your dad would do. That sounds like something the Spirit would lead you towards. If you're sitting there saying, well, they don't deserve my generosity, they don't deserve my mercy, they don't deserve my patience, that does not sound like the character of your father. That does not sound like something that you should be doing because the Spirit reveals the character of God to us and it helps us navigate life because we do the things that our God would do. We are perfect, complete, like our Heavenly Father is perfect and complete. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. I love this verse. There's so many verses I could have thrown in here, but I just want to give you an example of the types of things the character of God once revealed to you. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself testifies. That's legal language. That's why they translate it testify, legal language. So the Spirit, uh, you know, in our modern context, swears on a stack of Bibles, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. He promises, he, he's tr- this is true, he testifies to our Spirit that we are children of God. You know, this week, uh, it's happened, I don't know, it's happened hundreds of times this week, all kinds of circumstances and situations. Patrick, you're a dummy. There is no way you should be, you know, talking to anybody at church about God because what do you know? I mean, you've messed up so many times in your life. You're, t- you're, you're an idiot. 
you're, you're, you're a failure. We had a, a leader call uh, yesterday. It's probably revealing too much <laughs> about the situation, but got on that leader call and I was like, oh, I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to undermine like, my, my authority to lead. I'm going to say something stupid and it's on Zoom and it's going to be terrible. Patrick, you, you're not qualified to do this. And, and you know what? That's true. That's, that's, that's true. It's how I feel. And I got that voice that's telling me this. But that's not, that doesn't sound like our Father. That doesn't sound like our God. That doesn't sound like the Spirit testifying to my spirit. That sounds like an accuser. That sounds like an enemy reminding me of those kinds of things. Now, the problem is, I heard a speaker, I was telling the first service, I heard a speaker say this, and I, I thought this was so powerful to remember. Those things, Patrick, you're a loser, you're an idiot, you're a failure, those things require no faith for me to believe. I'm like, yeah, that lines up with what I see in my life. I think that's true. That's right. It doesn't require any faith. Patrick, you are loved by God, and you are filled with the Spirit. You are blessed. You are worthwhile. You are, those things require faith to believe. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And it's, man, isn't that so powerful? I mean, when, some, when, when someone comes to me and says, Patrick, you're doing it wrong, I'm like, yeah, you're right, I'm doing it wrong, I'm an idiot. That sounds right to me. But when the Spirit says, Patrick, you're, you're my child, I love you, are you sure? Are you sure? Have you been seeing it? Yeah, I know everything you did. I know, I know, I know. The Spirit reveals the character of God and helps us navigate day-to-day life. We know what God would say and what God would not say because we know who God's character is revealed to us through Scripture but experienced through the Spirit. And then he says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, he says this. He goes, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I think that if it were up to me, if I were God, I would just like make it ev- ev- evident and obvious to everybody that I was God and there would just be no denying. Like, like I, the Red Sea parting, you know, glory on Mount Sinai. I would just do that stuff every day. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like hide. I wouldn't be discreet because that, I would be like, I want everybody to know who I am. So I'm just going to do, I'm just going to make it, I'm going to make an entrance. You know, I'm going to kick open the doors. Here I am. But evidently that's not what God does. His character revealed in the scripture, that's not what he, he does except for some few occasions. In, in Genesis uh, uh, chapter 28, verse 16, Jacob, I'm not going to read the story. You read the story. Jacob is having a dream, wakes up, and he thinks this thought. You know what? God was here. I, did, I didn't even know it. The presence of the Lord was in this place, and I didn't even know it. The power and the presence of God dwells in us, in this temple, and sometimes we don't even know it. We don't even realize it. We forget we forget that the Spirit, the presence of God is in this place. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 17, what a cool story. Uh, Elisha, surrounded by bad guys, and his servant with him, and his servant's like, well, this is it. We're done for. And Elisha's like, what are you talking about? We're not done for. He's like, yeah, we're surrounded. This is over. <laughs> let's, uh, you know, let's prepare our own graves. And Elisha says, you know what? Uh, I'm going to pray for you. And he prayed, open his eyes, Lord. Open his eyes that he may see. I want, him to, I want re- reality to be revealed to him. And the Lord opens the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and fire all around Elisha. He saw reality. He was blessed with a glimpse of reality and he was able to respond appropriately because of what had been revealed to him. 
well, God, what, what do you want us to see? You're telling us, Paul, you're, you're praying that our eyes would be open, the eyes of our heart would be open. What do you want us to see? Well, he goes on to say it, Ephesians 1.18. I want, I want you to see, I want you to see the hope to which he has called you. I want you to see the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I want you to see his incomparably great power for us who believe. Let's, let's clear away the extra words in that, in that passage. This is what the Spirit wants to reveal to us. He wants to reveal to us hope and inheritance and power. That's what the Spirit wants to reveal. Pull the veil off our eyes so we can see hope, inheritance, and power. Hope. You have a future. You have a future. You can be on your deathbed, but as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have an eternity lying before you. You have a future. Inheritance? Yeah, you're not missing out. What do you think you're missing out on by being a disciple? Do you think you're going to miss? Well, God, I'm looking at Instagram, and there's people who are going on these awesome vacations, and they're, they've got all, every, like, like, if I would just pursue, you know, financial stability and wealth, then I could have those things too. You're not missing out on anything. I promise you. You're not, there's no missing out for you. You have a hope. You're not missing out. You have the riches of this glorious inheritance. Well, power, you're, you're not, you're not weak. You're not weak. You don't need to grasp for power. You don't need to grasp for power in every relationship you're in. You don't need to prove how awesome you are in every relationship you are in. You don't need to call the shots in every situation you find yourself. You don't need to grab for power because you have power through Christ. You have that through Christ. You have a future. You're not missing out. You're not weak. Listen to what he's saying. He's speaking to your fears. And he's saying, if you could operate without that veil of fear, your life would be so different. If we could just remove the fear from your eyes, the fears that close the eyes of our heart, the fears that shrink our decisions, that circle the wagons, that make us want to play defense instead of offense. If we could just have our eyes opened to the reality, revealed to reality. I mean, imagine this. Imagine you navigated life with just an unshakable confidence in your eternity. Just unshakable confidence. You just were not worried about death. Imagine that. Not worried about death. Every time you had a headache, you didn't have to wonder, well, is this the big C? Is this it? Is this is my time on, you know, am I about to shuffle off the mortal coil? If you didn't have to worry about death, an unshakable confidence in your future. Uh, imagine if you had this confidence that didn't make you want to grasp for wealth and possessions and to take all you have and have, uh, can and have the biggest piece of the pie here and now. Imagine you had a confidence that you did, you had eternity waiting for you. Well, what would that mean to your day-to-day life? A confidence that we don't have to grab for control. A kid, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this. A kid, uh, that's always a good way to start a story. A kid in our uh, uh, camp I used to, to do growing up um, was arrested for storming the Capitol. Uh, and I was like, what in the world? Why, why, was he, why was he there? Well, he said that he felt like our country was being taken for us and he had to take it back. He had to grab for power and control. And you know what? It made him do something stupid. And he got arrested for it. Because he didn't have an unshakable confidence in the power that we have from the Spirit. Um, 
I'm, uh, I told this to the first, <laughs> first service. I, I, don't, you know, I don't often sit down in a sermon and say, okay, I'm going to say something real controversial and get everybody upset at, at, with me, but I don't know. I, pray, I really prayed that, God, if this isn't the right thing to talk about, you tell me, but uh, let's, <laughs> can we be real, 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 like current events real, things that are happening right now real, things that we're deciding real, is that okay? I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, I, so we're in this huge effort right now as a country to vaccinate the population uh, from COVID-19 because COVID is just messed up. It's just messed everything up. It doesn't matter. I don't care what you think about COVID, whether you think it's real or not. It has just come in and it has disrupted everything. You can think it's not real, still disrupted everything. You can think it's, you know, the worst thing in the world. It's just, it's just it's disrupted everything. And so we're in this march to vaccinate the population. How many of you are tense right now? You're like, oh no, is this going to be some sort of like anti-vaxxer? Just chill out, hang in there. Some of you are thinking, um, you know what? Uh, People that are nervous about this vaccination are stupid. They're just so dumb. You know, they're just, listen to the doctors. I mean, it's fine. They've tested it. It's, it's great. I'm going to, I'll be first in line and a bunch, you know, you idiots that aren't listening to the doctors like, you dummies, well... I, that doesn't sound like our father to call people who disagree with you dummies. I'm just, just saying. But there's a percentage of our population that is like that. I have a friend, uh, I don't get on Facebook for this reason because it's all like arguments about everything constantly. I, so I avoid it. But every once in a while I'll get on there. I have a friend who's a nurse and she was posting a picture about, hey, we just celebrated 10,000 uh, vaccinations at our clinic and the comments, thousands of comments. And it's just like oh, arguments about everything. So some people are like, you are a dummy if you don't run out there and get the vaccination. Some people are like, you're a dummy if you do. That Bill Gates developed that vaccination for mind control. I've read it from Dr. Facebook, and that's true. And if you get the vaccination, you're just one of the million sheep that's just like doing whatever the, the powers that be tell you to do. Well, that doesn't sound like our father either to, to say that to other people. Some of you are thinking, you know, I'm not sure. I'm a little nervous. I don't like shots to begin with, and so I'm just a little scared about putting something into my body that they've just developed in the last six months. I'm just a little nervous about it. So let's let our senior citizens go first. If something goes bad, you know, you know, Leon, man, if he grows a third arm, then we're like, okay, avoid it. Avoid it. We'll just let, we'll let them go first. Like, uh, can I brag on Kareen? All right, good. Finally got permission. Uh, you guys are going to think she's crazy. Uh, early, I don't know, months ago, when, whenever it was, she signed up to be part of the vaccination trials. And I was, she told me that. She was like, oh, yeah, I signed up to do the trials. I was like, Kareen, why would you do that? This is exactly what Bill Gates wants you to do. No, I, I didn't say that. But I, I was like, well, why would you do that? Why don't you just, why don't you wait and see? Because who knows? What if there's negative side effects? What if bad things happen? What if, you know, what if Leon gets the vaccination and doesn't make it? Like, we want to know that stuff first. And she's like, listen, that's exactly why I signed up for the trials. What are you talking about? She goes, I, like, we're healthy. We're fine. We don't have pre-existing conditions. If there's something that's going to go wrong, I want it to happen to me and not somebody else. What? Why? Because her eyes are open to her glorious inheritance that she has in Christ. She has a hope. She's not worried about the negative side effects. I'm like, well, you're not, but what about me? I'm going to have to take care of you and you're going to be in a coma or whatever. Come on. 
Think about, think about other people too. Her eyes are open and it's navigating different decisions than the rest of us. Now listen to me. Listen, 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 listen. Ah, oh, should I say this? I, I don't really care about your decision about vaccination. I don't really care. Get it, don't get it, fight it, wear a tinfoil hat. I don't, I, I guess I do care. Get it, I, whatever. I don't, there's no message about vaccinations coming from the stage. What I want us to do is open our eyes to the fact that everything in our life is, is, is a spiritual decision. That, that it, 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 there's implications for our eternity that we have to account for the fact that God has promised us by the guarantee of the Spirit that we will exist forever. And if that is not affecting your day-to-day decisions, then I have to wonder, do we truly believe that we have the Spirit residing in us? Do we truly believe? You know what? I, with Corrine, I thought, I thought about this later. Corrine saw a live grenade and she jumped on it. Or what she thought was a live grenade. You know what I would have done? I would have run from it. I was like, yeah, man, let Leon get that vaccine first. I don't, you know, I don't know. She saw the grenade and she jumped on it. Why? Because she's not afraid to die. Ask her. She's literally not afraid to die. It's, it's, I don't, I'm not there yet. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta work on that. Forward her the YouTube conspiracy videos later. It's fine. I know many of us want just this step-by-step, paint-by-numbers, detailed itinerary, what's the Spirit doing? But the Spirit will give us wisdom and revelation. The Spirit will show us what our God is like. The Spirit will open the eyes of our hearts. Let's live in that. Let's wrap up by reading Ephesians 1, 17 through 19, just one more time as we, as, we, as we close. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. That you may know the hope. The hope, the eternal hope to which he has called you. That you may know the glorious riches or the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. There's so much there we could talk about too. Just being together with other people who think the same way and how valuable that is. And verse 19, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Like, God, what are you talking about? You have a future. You're not missing out. You have power through the Spirit. And if we navigated day-to-day life that way, man, the stories we could tell, the stories that we, you could tell me and say, hey, Patrick, the Spirit did this in my life today. Well, how, how do you know it was the Spirit? Because it sounds like my Father. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear. I pray that you'd give us a heart that sees. I pray that you would quiet our fears. I pray that you'd fill us with the Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go with the Spirit.